and welcome to the first Funds Fan Podcast of 2022. As usual in the podcast, we have a fund manager interview. And for this episode, it is Walter Price, full manager of the Allianz Technology Investment Trust. Among the topics discussed are how tech performed last year and the outlook for 2022, whether Chinese technology companies are a buy following their heavy share price falls a couple of months ago, and the outlook for Tesla. But before we get to that, I'm joined for the first part of the podcast by Richard Hunter, Head of Markets at Interactive Investor. Usually, in the first part of the podcast, we take a look at the latest fund and investment trust news. But as it's the start of a year, it's been a very quiet period since our last podcast before the festive period. So instead, me and Richard are going to discuss four predictions for this year that have been made by fund managers. The first one, Richard, is the expectation of a pickup in volatility this year. There seems to be no shortage of headwinds. There's the new, well, newish Omicron variant, which is prolonging the COVID-19 pandemic, rising levels of inflation, and a potential slowdown in China's economy. Richard, do you expect it to be a more volatile year for markets? Well, Carl, I think the first thing to say, of course, is that markets are always volatile. Um, and I wouldn't expect this year to be any different. You, you mentioned the Omicron variant there. Um, even if or when the fallout from the latest variant subsides, um, there are other considerations, plenty of them, which could yet upset the apple cart. Um, these include, but they're not limited to, the likes of the central banks making a policy mistake, uh, for example, underestimating the pace of inflation, resulting in higher interest rates than we're currently expecting. Uh, a resumption of what was previously a pretty fractious relationship between the US and China. Um, and that's without any unknowns, of course, that will no doubt come up during the course of 2022, such as escalating geopolitical tensions, for example, elsewhere. So, I mean, if you can be sure of one thing, is that you can't be sure of shorter term market movements and indeed volatility. That's very true, Richard. And in regards to inflation, which is one of the key risks to markets this year, it appears to me that um, central bankers have either underestimated or have a much longer time frame than most when it comes to defining transitory inflation. UK inflation is currently at its highest rate in a decade, having risen to 5.1% in November. And across the pond, US inflation rose to 6.8% in the same month, which is its highest level since 1982. It was expected that inflation would be temporary in response to the global supply chain problems that have materialized since the reopening of economies following lockdowns. However, inflation has been sustained for longer than central bankers have been expecting. I've seen some fund managers in their investment outlooks for this year make the point that from spring onwards, they expect inflation to start to cool as supply constraints ease. These forecasts are based on the impact of the Omicron variant not causing more supply chain disruptions. Do you agree, Richard, that UK inflation will potentially hit a peak in the first couple of months of this year and then start to fall? I'm not so sure I do, actually, Carl. I mean, in, in the recent past, it's fair to say, I think, that inflation has been more stable and therefore easier to predict. And one of the reasons for that is that it's tended to be demand driven high demand, higher prices, etc. This time around, of course, as you mentioned, it's more of a supply shock, 
We've got bottlenecks in the supply chain, resulting largely from the pandemic, rising raw material prices, and even some signs that wage inflation is set to rise. If we look at the States, for example, there's increasing evidence that people are actually leaving the workforce, especially those on the front line such as in the service sector, partly for health reasons and not wanting to be exposed to the new variant, and partly because job supply is currently outstripping demand. I do agree that inflation should fall later in the year as we lap the hikes uh, of the levels of last year, but there don't seem to be too many signs of it easing just in the next couple of months. A final point on inflation for me is that Ben Broadbent, Deputy Governor of the Bank of England, said at the start of December that UK inflation is expected to soar comfortably above 5% this spring when energy regulator Ofcom increases its price cap. This will negatively impact million, millions of households and will also add to the inflation fire. But from then onwards, um, particularly in the second half of the year, the Bank of England have said that they expect the rate of inflation to fall quite quickly um, because most of the causes of the current high rate of inflation won't last, as many of them are related to the effects of the COVID pandemic on the economy. We're now going to move on to the stock market that fund managers expect to outperform in 2022. This is a question that every year the Investment Trust Trade Body, the Association of Investment Companies, ask fund managers. And for 2022, the most popular choice was the UK stock market. Before I get Richard's views on this, just a very small caveat that last year, the fund managers casted their votes for emerging markets, which, as we now know, with the benefit of hindsight, did have a pretty poor year overall in 2021. Richard, is this a more sensible forecast that the UK could be the best performing region in 2022? It seems to be quite a few years now that we've been looking for some kind of uh, recovery in, in terms of the UK market, if not the economy. And, but certainly on valuation grounds, the UK is still regarded as, as relatively cheap by many institutional international investors. Um, we, we did see some of this last year. The FTSE 100 actually did quite well in 2021. It was up by over 14%. But one outcome coming out of last year was uh, this spike that we saw in M&A activity and the takeover of a number of UK firms by foreign private equity houses. On top of that, of course, the FTSE 100, despite being a UK index, is particularly weighted towards overseas earnings and estimated 70% of earnings come from uh, international parts of their business, including, of course, the likes of the US. So if we continue to see this weakness in sterling, for example, partly arising from the strength of the US dollar, that's likely to be ironically positive for the FTSE 100 because overseas earnings then become more valuable. There is one word of caution, though. Um, although the scene is set for what could be a good year for the UK market, much, of course, will depend on the strength of the global economic recovery, which remains unclear at the current time until such time as the real fallout from the Omicron variant is known. And finally, sticking with the UK, the final prediction is the potential for UK bank shares to pay special dividends in 2022. Two UK fund managers, Laura Foll and Gervais Williams, were interviewed by Interactive Investor last month as part of our Fund Insider video series. They both made the point that banks could potentially surprise on the upside in terms of the amount they pay in dividends this year, having had their hands tied back by the regulator during the pandemic. 
Laura Fall said that when UK banks have been reporting earnings in recent months, they've been saying that they have excess capital relative to what management think they should have. As a result of this, Fall adds that some of that excess capital could be paid back in the likes of buybacks or also special dividends. She thinks this could potentially mean higher dividends from that sector than is necessarily not being forecast by analysts at the moment. What's your view, Richard? Could special dividends be on the cards potentially for UK banks this year? Oh, absolutely, Carl. I think you, you've already mentioned that the banks did hunker down during the pandemic and partly at the behest of the regulator. But what's happened since we've come out the worst of the lockdowns, of course, is there's almost an embarrassment of riches within the bank's balance sheet. If you look at the CET1 ratios, more commonly known as the capital cushion, the amount of capital banks need to set aside, they're in a very healthy state. Most of these percentages are running into the mid-teens. And so that means that um, the banks are going to be basically looking for a home for this, for this excess cap capital. Um, we've already seen a couple of share buyback schemes uh, being announced over the last few months by banks on a smaller scale that, of course, could ramp up. I think special dividends are a distinct possibility. One possible exception which could be interesting is NatWest, uh, which, of course, has already used some of its excess capital to further reduce the stake uh, of the government. But even so, on the whole, um, we'll soon know in the reporting season, which is uh, almost upon us. And the banks will probably start reporting mid to late February as usual with their full year numbers. But I, I absolutely agree that um, some extra um, kind of shareholder returns are very much on the table. It'll be interesting to see if those four forecasts play out this year. In fact, we should review how these predictions pan out towards the end of the year. If you don't mind coming back on the podcast, Richard. It'll be a pleasure. Great, thank you for your time, Richard. Thanks very much indeed, Carl. Cheers. For our fund manager interview for this episode, I'm joined by Walter Price, fund manager of the Allianz Technology Trust. So to start off, let's briefly look back at 2021. Could you summarise how the year panned out for technology shares was it a case of being a year of two halves? There seemed to be a value rotation for the first six months of the year, but then technology shares came back into favour in the second half of the year as investors became less enthusiastic over the post-pandemic economic recovery. Yeah, I mean, I, I think 2021 was a year of, of fits and starts in different sectors of technology. Um, and... Um, you know, as you pointed out, the, the first half of the year, there was a focus on value stocks, and then there was a focus on uh, growth stocks, had a rebound as uh, uh, the COVID pandemic hit. Um, and then uh, toward the end of the year, there's there was more of a concern about uh, hiking of interest rates and some of the uh, some of the value in large cap stocks uh, were the ones that did particularly well in the latter part of the year. So... It was really kind of a period of uh, three different phases of the market as opposed to two, starting with value, then uh, then growth, and then uh, large cap. And were there any standout sectors or individual uh, stock performers for the trust um, that performed well in 2021? Well, we've got a large weighting in the semiconductor sector uh, in the trust, and uh, that 
sector in general. Uh, it was it was uh, a little weak in the second quarter of 2021, but otherwise it was uh, a good performer uh, uh, for the year and and uh, for the other three quarters of the year. Uh, so that that was really the standout in terms of performance. Uh, you know, we all heard about shortages of semiconductors, but uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, there's uh, also a secular case for semiconductors that we've been uh, we've been espousing, and I think uh, that came that started to come true in 2021. And I wanted to ask you about um, the Chinese equity market. I know that the Allianz Technology Trust predominantly invests in U.S. shares, but I was just interested to ask you in regards to the sell-off for um, a number of Chinese technology companies um, last summer, which were negatively impacted by uh, government, government crackdowns into that sector. Were you not at all tempted to buy the dip, particularly in the case of the likes of Tencent and Alibaba? I mean, actually, uh, you know, going back uh, th- three years uh, ago, uh, we started cutting back uh, we, we used to have a large position in, in Chinese uh, internet companies. Um, and about three years ago, with the regime change with uh, President Xi, we, uh, you know, we basically cut that to de minimis uh, because we were concerned about this uh, regime change and the, the focus of the, uh, of the government on pulling power back into the state-owned enterprises and uh, you know, kind of a resentment of the entrepreneur and the wealth that have been created, uh, uh, you know, on the backs of, uh, uh, of the state. Uh, and that was the rhetoric that was starting to be discussed. And so I think as long as, uh, as long as the, the existing regime continues, uh, we're going to be very cautious about, uh, uh, buying any Chinese internet companies, uh, and uh, I think Chinese equity companies in general should sell at a, a at a discount to other areas of the world because of this uh, this uh, regime change. So we were not tempted to buy the dip. And now looking ahead to 2022, what's your outlook for the technology sector, and particularly against the backdrop of rising levels of inflation? Yeah, we have a team-based uh, structure, management structure, and so we, we have lively debates among uh, the different members of the team. We have five members of the team. Uh, I, I think we all agree that inflation is uh, a, a near-term problem, and um, and it's going to continue for at least uh, you know the first uh, several quarters of 2022 at a high rate, uh, probably higher than uh, government officials would like to see. Uh, the the issue that we have is how fast is that inflation going to come under control? Clearly, you know, there's a focus on inflation, uh, both by the the government and by the uh, the Federal Reserve, and so we think, uh, you know, they're working the problem, but uh, it's a difficult problem. So uh, I think our view is that there will be inflation will be an issue for, for at least the first half of the year, and that means that. This concern about valuation and this concern about rising interest rates isn't going away. It's going to continue to to uh, be a headwind against the higher valuation technology companies. And so, as I as I 
look at how we've positioned the portfolio. Uh, we've taken down our weighting and the, the high-growth software companies, uh, uh, almost cut it in half over uh, the last year. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we continue to be selective in that area. We don't want to abandon our high-growth uh, uh, companies that are building the new infrastructure of the world. But we've rotated more into the uh, recovery plays uh, and to the semiconductor companies. And is it those um, those recovery plays and the semiconductor companies that you think will perform well against inflationary pressures and potential higher interest rates in the US? And also, in terms of the companies that will not fare as well, are there any certain like key characteristics for investors to watch out for? Is it potentially companies that are not um, not making a profit at the moment? Well, I, I think that um, the companies that are going to fare well, I mean, we've gone through each of our companies. Uh, we, we kind of build the portfolio up stock by stock. And so we have uh, pretty intimate knowledge of our companies. And we've gone through each of the companies uh, questioning, you know, can they pass through inflation? Are they a beneficiary of inflation in the sense that they get leverage if uh, prices are increasing and their costs aren't increasing as fast? And so, you know, we've kind of gone through our companies trying to understand uh, the impact of inflation on those companies. Uh, you know, I, I think companies with large labor forces, uh, uh, you know, those companies are, are seeing high inflation and difficulty and hiring new employees. And so uh, those companies are probably under more pressure than the ones that are uh, leveraged to, uh, you know, selling uh, advertising or selling products uh, where, uh, you know, there's uh, a, a lot of leverage in the models, you know, high gross margins and ability to pass on costs because of the, cr the critical nature of their products. Tesla is the second biggest holding in the funds and is a very popular stock among um, retail investors. What's your outlook for the company in 2022? And are there any other firms in the electric vehicle space that you own? And do you have an exposure to the sort of picks and shovels components that go inside electric vehicles? Uh, well, we're enthusiastic about Tesla, as, as indicated uh, by the fact that it's a large position in the fund. Um, we think that, uh, you know, last year was a year when you were seeing, uh, uh, you know, the ramp up or the beginning of the ramp up of their factories in Berlin and Austin, Texas. Uh, I think those factories are going to start up in the first half of uh, 2022 and be uh, strong producers of uh, product by the second half of 2022. Um, so we think there's a lot of incremental volume and uh, some new products that will be able to be produced at those two factories. Uh, so we're enthusiastic about about demand for the products. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen waiting lists increase for the cars and price increases uh, come through for the cars, sh showing that they've been able to increase uh, the, the prices to pass on the costs of their uh, supply chain increases. So, you know, we think that this company is going to have uh, uh, better volumes and better earnings than people are forecasting in 2022. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we remain enthusiastic about Tesla. As you point out, we've also increased our 
waiting to, uh, on the power semiconductor area. Uh, we think those companies, uh, you know, there are not that many of them. It's expensive to build those products. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a shortage of those products as uh, EVs use a, a lot more power semiconductors than a conventional car. And so uh, we think those companies are in the process of being re-rated and uh, their margins and growth rates are, are uh, their margins will be higher and their growth rates will be higher than they have been in the last several years. Could you name um, a couple of examples of those companies? Well, if you look at our portfolio, you'll see in the top 10, we have uh, On Semiconductor, uh, which is uh, the leading U.S. power semiconductor company. Uh, uh, but we also have positions in uh, Infineon and STM, uh, which are European uh, semiconductor companies that are strong in power, uh, power management. Uh, so those are, those are, those are three of the, the big positions that we have in that area. The Allianz Technology Trust invests in various investment themes. Is the metaverse a new theme that you've been looking at for the trust? You know, we've been evaluating uh, the metaverse concept. Uh, you know, I, I think you know there are metaverses that exist in many of these uh, for many of these gaming companies. Uh, in some sense, you you introduce yourself into a fantasy world where you. You know, you're a fighter or you're a warrior or you're a, an explorer. Uh, and uh, those worlds have been getting more realistic. Uh, you know, we're fans of NVIDIA, for example, which is a semiconductor company that provides the graphics chips that, that help uh, create these uh, universes. But, but the idea that people are going to uh, move to the metaverse instead of uh, communicating directly uh, with their own presence and their own uh, personality. Uh, you know, I think that's a, a bridge too far for us right now. So uh, uh, we're watching this area, but we think that uh, uh, what you're seeing instead are tools like Teams and Zoom that allow people to uh, more communicate more flexibly across uh, you know, different uh, locations and uh, coordinate teams and workers and friends in groups uh, with their own presence as opposed to a, uh, you know, an artificial avatar or an assumed presence. So I, I, I think people yearn for that social interaction with uh, their friends and family and business associates and, uh, uh, you know, I think that many of these video conferencing uh, systems actually supplement uh, existing uh, abilities to get in, uh, you know, to build relationships and, and keep relationships strong. So I'm more enthusiastic about tools like uh, Teams and Zoom, uh, and particularly uh, Teams for Microsoft has given them a new lease on life and a new growth uh, growth trajectory that I think is going to continue for a long time. And finally, a question that we ask all four managers that appeared on the podcast. Do you personally invest in the Allianz Technology Trust? Uh, yeah, both uh, Wachan and I have uh, uh, personal investments in the Technology Trust that we've owned for several years. And, uh, you know, obviously they've been good investments and we continue to hold those. And we, we think that's one of the best uh, investments that we can have in our portfolio.
Walter, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. That's it for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Please do spread the word to friends and family that might find the podcast interesting and informative. You can also subscribe. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a like. Check out ii.co.uk for our funds and investment trust content. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next Funds Fan podcast published on the 21st of January. 